We're here today with Greg Loring Albright, designer of Leviathan. Welcome to Design Diary, the podcast where you get to look inside my board game design notebook as well as what's going on inside my head. We look at a new word each day from the sense of mechanics, tone, theme, or inspiration for a full game. Today's word is... Meritorious. Deserving of honor or esteem. And that's it. It's a really quick one. So what do you got? Yeah, so when I first uh, saw this word, uh, my first thought was uh, skepticism. Because I feel like merit and notions of meritocracy always get bandied about when people are trying to uh, like cover up for the fact that uh, like there's not enough women in game design or something, and they'll be like, "Oh, well, it's a meritocracy," and it's like the first easy excuse to go to um, when you know the the things it may appear to be a meritocracy, but there are other factors outside the system that make it to not be a true meritocracy. Uh, so anyway, my first notion when I heard meritorious was skepticism and sort of interrogating that part of the definition where it talks about deserving, like deserving according to whom. Uh, yeah, so, really, it's very opinionated. Yeah, right. It seems like such a such a stalwart definition on its own until you start to pick at it and you're like, oh, it's kind of just like another way to enforce someone's opinion and say it's meriting, you're deserving because of I want it to be deserving. Um, but my, my game design take, something that I've been thinking about since I got this word was, uh, some way of, of not telling people that they're not competing on a level playing field of having players come into the game thinking that they're in a system of true merit. That's, that's purely fair. And then have them realize as they play that they're not. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and my first thought, and actually I was listening today to prepare for this talk. I listened to Jabberwocky episode. You talked about how that that moment where where when the game is a trick on you, that it's just not fun to play anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, well, this game isn't what I thought it was. Bummer. And so initially, I was like, oh, could it be a legacy game because they have sort of one-time reveals. But what I landed on when thinking about how to make this sort of like game of dubious merit is uh, a hidden decks, almost like a like a CCG or an LCG. Where you bring your own? You have a pre-constructed deck. Not well. The well, maybe. My thought was that there are decks of like to, to just like put it into the sort of political pack where I'm taking. It. Sounds like there's a machine going by your house. Are you? Are you okay? It's a, it's a motorcycle. I'm I'm surviving. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I good. have my door open. I'm like in my garage with the door open. It's completely <laughs> terrible for audio, but it feels really good right now. I have a fan on in my room, so it's also terrible for audio. Um. What was it? Oh yeah, so not so much like a CCG where you like design and build your deck, but where the game comes with these decks that might be good or bad. So my notion was I want people to have that feeling of, oh, I thought this was fair, but it's not. And, and if you build your deck, you sort of know, like, oh, I got stuck with the bad deck, and so I'm going to have to play in a certain way to, to compensate for that in this not-quite-just system. So my thought was... Uh, you don't know what deck you have, but all the decks are pre-constructed. And okay. So, uh, so you might get the deck that like represents a less privileged person, and you're playing the game, and you're like, ooh, I have a really bad hand. Is that because I got the bad deck, and should I start playing in a way that prevents that? Or did I just get a bad hand, and I actually have the good privileged person deck that will make this game easy, and I should play a certain other kind of strategy? And so that kind of moment of 
of confusion of people. I realized early on in thinking about this that you can't, everyone's going to know that the system is rigged, but figuring out in what ways it's rigged as you play the game, I think would be the fun of it. And then building in some mechanic for the people who are inherently disadvantaged by their decks to, to organize and work together and sort of overcome the problems that the system has set for them and sort of, uh, I don't know, to sort of expose the system as not being as fair as it seems to be. That's neat. I had I had two thoughts as you were saying this, and the one was uh, the whole privilege thing, and I was designing a game for uh, Rutgers University uh, oh, cool. for their diversity program, and they asked me to come in and help design a game for them. And the whole idea of it was just putting somebody in the in the basically in the shoes of someone of lesser privilege or greater privilege and just experiencing that was was kind of the game and and the interesting part was when it came down to do artwork like how do we show these people and like if we're showing somebody who's of lesser privilege we're instantly going against the grain of the game so everybody is a silhouette everybody's the same silhouette whether you're you know male female black white or anything everybody's the same silhouette so when you see somebody who has a lesser privilege gender or race or whatever you are the one who's making up what that is what that character actually is uh yeah that's you know, cool. it was just it was such a hard thing to come to and there was a little bit of back and forth with it just trying to figure out how to even do that uh but it, it turned out really cool in the end and, oh, and it's awesome. is sort of a little lesson in just playing the game is like what's going on in your head uh as you're as you're playing these characters yeah uh, totally the the second thing what was it oh it was um there's something really interesting in not having balance. Like you said, like right. uh, a lot of times when someone's making a game, especially on the like CCG kind or any of those like cards with numbers and abilities, heavy games, right, right, right. there's sort of like a formula that you'll try to work on to say, well, this has a value of this and you know, the ability has a value of this. And we try to get them all in the same range. But when you have right. ones that or are... make the high cost, make the high value ones higher cost. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden they all bounce out. But it's really interesting when you throw in the cards that don't balance in any way. You know, right. so you know you can get this one that's super good, and it doesn't have this high cost. And what that does to a game because right. everything's not just middle ground anymore. Where you know it's high cost but it's a great ability. You've got this low cost great ability that it's like that's the card you want. And that's right. sort of you got you got the straight white man deck. Everything <laughs> is super powerful, and it doesn't cost you anything to play it. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's something really interesting in that from from a game side. Uh, you sort of become the target if it's more than two players. That's that's right. part of it. Um, but if it's not just your whole deck, if it's just a single card, it's less of an impact. But it's a great moment uh, for right. you, but not anybody else. Yeah, yeah, and that was part of as I sort of was was daydreaming about this this meritorious game, I went sort of in different directions as to how much I wanted to have it like actually simulate real society and you know that's hard because you inevitably abstract some things and then you're kind of taking away from some people's experience, but I really liked the notion of that the people who get the less privileged decks have some other there's some other balance mechanism in there that that like, we know in the real world that people strengthening numbers that are, is kind of one yeah of it, exactly yeah. and that and that they have that received wisdom of oh like my family has had to deal with struggle and injustice for generations and so we have these techniques that we use and some way to model those techniques in the game um, but then I, I don't know you know time got away from me I'm not actually making this game but I was like wouldn't <laughs> that be a cool thing to experience to 
not to say this message of like, oh, everyone's actually equal because underprivileged people have all these skills, but to, to represent these unique skill sets that activist communities have, have developed yeah. over years and years and decades. We had a word, and I'm trying to look it up, just a f- it wasn't even that long ago. It might have been a week, two weeks ago, and it was just extreme poverty was, was the oh, word. Man. And I tr- it was indigence. Uh, and I tried to figure out uh, what is the positive of extreme poverty? Like what is, and I, there were some like websites on it and all of them were like, when you're no longer in poverty, you, you know, it could always get better or it's, it's always, it could always be worse once you're out of poverty. And and, like, they they didn't really say what the positive was. And I really thought that the positive was community. Like that was the one Mm -hmm. thing is that not only community, but just like, stupid stuff that we do on the internet doesn't matter to them like they real life and like real skills and and things like that uh are such a higher level than the rest of us that you know are sitting here farting around on skype and you know right right you uh, have playing video games to, to yeah exactly. podcast. yeah so but yeah the... and i feel like i never want to valorize or romanticize extreme poverty no but I think exactly what you're saying is right that that there are real skills that you get from going through adversity yeah exactly and and none of the article i looked up all these articles to see if anybody had thoughts on it and they were all just it was absolutely terrible none of them hit on that in any way oh man yeah all right well that's cool listen to that one yeah um so i want to uh this was pretty good i want i want you to tell everybody where they can get in touch with you and find you and follow along cool uh, yeah, so my name is Greg Loring Albright. Uh, you can find me mostly on Twitter at Greg is on the go, and that's Greg with one G at the end, not two Gs at the end. It's um, funny that you have to say that because usually it's one G. Yeah, I don't. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I should. I should do another. I think most people assume it's one G, but uh, my grandmother-in-law always writes. She always sends her emails to to Greg. With two G's at the end, so now I'm all self-conscious about it. My grandfather could never spell my wife's name, Carolyn, so he always put like seven N's at the end. <laughs> <laughs> like her Christmas cards would just—it would never end, and it was the best. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Should I do another take of my Twitter name without the spelling correction? <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so, uh, anywhere else is that? Is that it? Pretty much Twitter. Oh, um, when I'm when I'm online, I'm mostly on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on the tabletop game design on Reddit with the same username, uh, BGG with the same username. Basically, Greg is on the go is is me pretty much everywhere. I'm curious if I've seen you on Reddit. I I lurk more than I post. I lurk mostly on that forum too. I uh, the problem is like I lurk a lot. I read a lot. I upvote a lot, mm-hmm. and then I'll answer questions about button shy or i'll post something about button shy and then i'll get hit with the you can't talk about yourself and it should be <laughs> it should be like one out of every 10 posts and i'm like well what happens when there's a q a and i answer 200 questions do right. i need to have two th- like 1800 non button shy posts and they were like yeah and oh I was my like, well God. you're gonna get sick of me quickly <laughs> Is this on on board games or tabletop game design? That's on the on the board games, but it's board, it's okay. kind of like everywhere on there. You I know? post even less there, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just it's so hard for me to follow those rules because I am more of a I am I'm an extreme reader. I love reading everything. I don't chime in a ton, uh, but you just when gotta it, start posting everything you read, just like cool. Yeah, exactly. Article. Like, I just need to like destroy their conversations, and, right? <laughs> and then I can post my own stuff. 
Well, then you'll get downvoted to the bottom. You won't care. No yeah. one will care. And they'll be like, That's oh, true. he made a thousand comments, not about himself. The system will take care of it. That's right. I've been banned a few times. So. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I, my whole thing is that I play games that we're working on. I talk about right. games that we're working on. I play other games, but I am passionate about prototypes and even ones that aren't even ours and stuff like that. That's like my favorite thing about gaming. And right. every single one has some sort of connection to what I'm doing for work because I do what I like for work. So it's like, right. it's, that means that you're doing it well. Like, Oh, this is my friend's game that I want to talk up because yeah, and my friends just, are cool and they make great games and everyone and like, gets nope, flagged. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's very hard for me to talk about games and not have some sort of connection to them. Yep. Oh, well. All right, cool. This was fun. We'll do it again sometime. And uh, yep. I'll catch you later. Sounds good. Yeah.